we're back and today we'll be talking about a very prominent issue that has been um, in the news a lot lately and even though it has a very very long history it's still ongoing today and that topic is the history of racism and today we would really like to i guess simplify this for you and uh, give background as to why it's still happening today exactly and so before we top it off we would just like to acknowledge and just quote a very important quote that we both agree with is that we understand that we do not understand however we stand therefore me and jasmine fully aware that we're not people of color and do not actually understand the hardships of being a person of color today especially in our society but we're in full support of the issue going on and we do not stand for racism at all and would like to educate everybody on why they shouldn't be either um we're all here to tell you we're all here to discuss today about the murders of george floyd brianna taylor and just to prove how these are examples of long reoccurring history of black repression in the united states although we're focusing on american history today it's very important to know that this repressive history set precedence to other nations and how they dealt with minorities as well canada included Yes. So even though we're discussing American history today and the evolution of it and how it's evolved to what it's what the laws and legislation is yeah. today, Canada is, is not excluded from this at we all. We really are not. We're subjects to this mistreatment as well, and we just really would like to acknowledge it. So the repression of Black Americans uh, goes back all the way to the Civil War era, which. Um, ended slavery in America. So just to give a little bit of background, the American Civil War was fought between the North, which is known as the United States today, this was the Union, and the South, which was known as the Confederate States. So the Civil War um, is also referred to as the Five-Year War, as it began in 1861 and ended in 1865. So this this Civil War was basically a um, result of long-standing disagreements over the institution of slavery in America. So the North was against slavery, whereas the South was definitely for slavery. Um, And this is mainly because of its uh, economic benefits. Like slavery was- Yeah, no one had to pay for workers. That's it. Free labor. Exactly. But the end of the Civil War brought the end of slavery in America because the North, the North won against the South. And, Abraham Lincoln, he was the president during uh, the Civil War era in the United States and um, very, what was very important, he issued um, something called the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863 which declared that all slaves in the, in the United States currently engaged in rebellion shall be forever free. But uh, So during this period there were about 4 million people who were held as slaves in the United States. However, it is important to note that this Emancipation Proclamation had had very little effect on freeing any of the nation's slaves. Like, it didn't it didn't really do much. But it was important because it was really a symbol, I guess, for the first time or for the first time in a long time, uh, that it was a symbol of freedom and it paved the way for the permanent abolition of slavery in the United States. So it it, it uh, acted as this sort of beacon of, of hope that came with the end of the Civil War. Yeah, for sure. So after the Civil War, there was a period called the Reconstruction Era. So this was a period, like I said, directly after the Civil War that once 
the Union won and the Confederation lost, it very, very easy to understand. It was a period of reconstruction. They had to genuinely reconstruct the entire nation. Right, because before it was basically a nation that was divided. Uh, divided and it acted on slavery. Exactly. So it was the reconstruction era was a series of laws and policy policy reforms that reconstructed the South in order to adopt to this new reality that did not condemn slavery. And it was very difficult for the South politically, socially, most importantly economically, because all of these business owners and the farmlands and stuff, they all they all depended on slaves. And so you take away all of their quote unquote employees mm-hmm. and you have to start paying there's them. There's a huge economic issue for these people during the reconstruction era there was in 1875 the civil rights act so this was the last piece of this era that outlawed any racial discrimination in public areas but it's important to to look at this and the next couple of things that we explain very critically so in a sense of like we look at the laws but we also need to think okay what's missing from these laws exactly there are well, there were a lot of uh, loopholes in these laws. Exactly. They stated one thing, but there were a lot of underlying. Yeah, it's very re- it's very easy to just read these laws and, and think, okay, it's fine. This okay, is a great, well, this is a great amendment. Equal. Yeah, exactly. But, no. but you have to really look at them critically, and this is what we're going to be doing today. Uh, so we're going to be looking at the Thirteenth and Fourteenth Amendment, which were very important in during this time. Uh, first of all, I'd like to discuss the Thirteenth Amendment. This amendment basically bans slavery, right. but with the exception of criminals. So basically, you could have been a free man unless you were accused of a crime. So this, obviously, if you think of it in a critical sense, is a very important loophole. A lot of people saw this as an opportunity to gain their slaves back by criminalizing them. And this is exactly what happened during the Reconstruction era and the Civil Rights era in the late 1800s. So during the time, especially in the South, where, like I said, these businessmen wanted to just get their slaves back and the laws didn't require it except for this loophole of criminalizing them, that's exactly what they did. As you can imagine, this obviously sparked an ongoing movement in the South in the South regarding their businessmen and criminalizing black people in order to continuously not pay for their labor. Um, This issue later on led to the 14th Amendment that basically decided equal protection of the laws. So the amendment states that all persons born or naturalized in the United States are subject to the jurisdiction thereof, are citizens of the United States, but of the state wherein they reside. So this promises equal protection but the protections were very, very limited. The 14th Amendment seemed great in theory, but in practice was actually very, very ill-written because once again, there was another loophole in this limitation of protections. An example of how limited these protections were to minority groups, especially to black Americans, uh, is proven in the Plessy versus Ferguson case. Now, this is a very important case in American history, and it's of the story of Homer Plessy. He was an African-American who refused to move from the colored-only section of the railroad car and was arrested for for not doing so. He ended up going to court arguing that his arrest was in violation of the 14th Amendment, 
stating that citizenships know no color and there's equal protection for the law. On, on the other hand, the decision of the court upheld by Louisiana law stated that separate facilities did not discriminate because they were separate but equal. Now this separate but equal case is very important for the rest of this history because it basically sets precedence to over a century worth of segregation. Due to this verdict of the case, um, there was something called the Jim Crow laws and this whole idea of segregation that came into play. They were solely based on this idea of separate but equal. Um, so basically the, the Jim Crow was a derogatory term for a black man and the Jim Crow laws were laws that made African-Americans second-class citizens in America. Yeah. It was really based on this theory of white supremacy and it came as a reaction to this whole Reconstruction era. It basically embedded segregation in the world. Exactly. There were laws that were put in place to maintain racial segregation after the Civil War ended. It required the separation of white people and people of color in all aspects of life. Jim Crow laws began in 1877 and basically it, it legalized this segregation. form, it legalized segregation and just to give a, I guess a visual of what segregation is, mm -hmm. it's a bathroom for the whites, a bathroom for the blacks, they didn't share the same washrooms or and a park. the quality was very the different. The quality was very very different, that's yeah. right, and there would be like a park for the blacks, a park for the whites. Mm -hmm. Uh, segregation. It would be uh, hospitals just for the blacks, hospital for the whites, schools, schools very cinemas. Big. So just everything yeah. separate but equal Quote in parentheses. Exactly. Because yeah. it was definitely not equal. The uh, black facilities were definitely more inferior to the facilities for white people. And uh, although the laws called for the separate facilities to be of equal, that was not the case. And Failure to, I guess, enforce these laws resulted in fines and imprisonment, mm -hmm. and and usually would be the black people who would be fined or imprisoned. Um, and the Jim Crow laws and segregation still govern American life well into the 20th century. Yeah. And in fact, it was the worst ever then. It wasn't even the worst ever after the Civil War. It became really bad into the 20th century. Yeah. Uh, blacks who violated the laws could be physically beaten by whites without any probable like, cause. No, the, the whites were never ever mm -hmm. um, re, re praised for their, uh, their actions. actions, for their violence. That's right. And this is uh, during this time, lynching became very common. Yeah. Um, that was just a very violent way of, I guess. And terrorist being. associations like the Ku Klux Klan. This is when they all era. all came into yeah. into light. And another very important part, I guess, uh, was World War Two, because the Jim Crow laws were still in effect during the Second World War, mm -hmm. and there were two. There were actually two separate military divisions. There were the there was the whites fighting the war on the side of the Americans, and there were also the blacks, but the black servicemen were given lesser support positions such as they were the ones in charge of like the grave digging, the cooking, or like they were the ones who served the food. Um, and that's it. And at first the black servicemen did not engage in combat, but as the war went on, um, they actually served on the front line. And this is where things started to get, I guess, a little bit tricky because this is when they demanded uh, Better rights. Better rights because they said, listen, I fought for your country just as much as the white anybody people else. fought for your country. Yeah. As much as anybody else. So why are we still being, 
being segregated? Why are we still being, uh, you know, yeah. divided? It definitely was a pivotal moment because they had nothing to argue against it. They knew that they were the ones fighting for the cause. They had no reason not to give these people these rights. Exactly. And and uh, the end of the Second World War came in 1945. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they, they were really lobbying for their rights. And um, the president, uh, Harry, Harry Truman, in 1948... He, he actually ordered the elimination of racial discrimination in all of the military branches, which was then followed by the breakdown of other racial barriers in other aspects of life. Another example of the breakdown of these barriers is with the Brown versus Board of Education case. Now, once again, this is another very important case alongside the Plessy versus Ferguson one that basically uh, deemed segregation to be unconstitutional. So the case is about um, a man named Oliver Brown he went to court in defense of his third grade daughter who was forced to attend a school uh, that she had to walk across railroad tracks every single day in order to get to instead of a school nearby her house that was for whites only. So this case demonstrated basically how being separate was in fact not equal in the education system which set a very big precedent. Like Jasmine said, the military started slowly with reforms equalizing both races. This was another example in the education system, which sparked not only in the education system, but with many other departments as well. That's right. The Brown versus Board of Education case set uh, a major uh, precedence to the civil rights movement. Now, the civil rights movement was an organized effort by black Americans to end racial discrimination and gain equal rights under the law. I guess when we think of the civil rights movement, we think of prominent names like Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, Rosa Parks. Parks. They all stood up for their human rights. They created a lot of noise and they were heard. That's right. And uh, very importantly, the civil rights rights movement transformed this notion of um, like criminality. For the first time ever, it was like a noble thing to be uh, advocating for your rights. And um, yeah, a lot of social justice movements rose during this mo- during this moment. Exactly, and and because of because of these people or because of the movement just in general, um, you know, American presidents such as President Johnson in 1968, he signed the Civil Rights Act of 1968, also known as the Fair Housing Act, that provided equal housing opportunity regardless of race, religion, or national origin. So they were making noise and they were being for the first time. Yeah. So overall, it was just a lot of social justice reform yes. in many different areas. Like say, like we said, the Brown versus Board of Education mm-hmm. ignited this equality and this prohibition of segregation in a variety of different fields and areas, mm-hmm. which during this civil rights movement, the second right. part of it, kind of just deemed segregation as a whole unconstitutional. Not only from the Board of Education in an educational standpoint, but from every standpoint. That's right. And I think what's really important, uh, I guess, to hold from this is that, yes, there were constitutions, the, um, the 13, 14 Amendment that yeah. stated, you know, everybody is equal, no more slavery, but... Like but I said, there were a lot of issues. There were loopholes. Not everybody listened to that. Yeah. And, and it... it, it just it's caused the, the so this kind of just made it black and white like there's no room for segregation in the law yes. basically right prohibited 
But as we know, there's obviously still segregation. Right. And and maybe not segregation, but definitely discrimination. There's definitely and discrimination. Definitely and, and it really, even though it was said to be eliminated, yeah. uh, I, we believe it still continues on it into today. And, uh, and so how we're going to explain this evolution of the segregation kind of disappearing, quote-unquote, from the law and kind of reappearing in another in another era, which is the criminal justice system. And so today, that's basically what our society is dealing with, is mass incarceration and discrimination and turning Black people into criminals. So although, yes, racism and discrimination were deemed illegal, it doesn't mean that it ended there. It still continued on, and obviously with the unfortunate cases that have been going on in the news today, we're still seeing so states, especially in the South, can continue to insert their deeply embedded racism in a whole new way, which was this criminal justice system. Uh, so this mass incarceration movement skyrocketed in the 1980s. This is only in the 1980s, guys. So this is not that long ago. It's not 40 years ago. Yeah, not That's even. Not My parents are older than that. Uh, exactly. Shout out to them. <laughs> uh, but just to say, like, it's really not that long ago that this movement started. And so, basically, it allowed a continuation of oppression among African Americans in the United States. Right. Like I said, by criminalizing them. And one of the many reasons for this continuous oppression, which Jasmine is going to explain now, is the war on drugs. When discussing this war on drugs, it is very obvious that there is still a racial caste and division in America today. And it is most obvious when looking at prisons in the United States. Um, there are more African Americans under correctional control today in prison or jail on probation or parole than there were enslaved in the 1850s. And this is really a big issue. Yeah. Because again, African Americans are being permanently relegated by law to a second class status. And why? Because they are supposedly the bad guys. Yeah. However, mass incarceration of African Americans during the past 30 to 40 years, as we said, is not primarily linked to crime. And this is the big, big misconception. They are not going to jail for criminal acts. Yeah. Incarceration has been greatly linked to the war on drugs. In fact, drug offenses alone accounts for about two-thirds of the increase in the federal inmate population. And more than half of the increase in the state prison population. So they're not going to jail for, for violent crimes. They're, they're going to jail for petty drug offenses yeah. and I don't know about you but when I think of jail I think of people that like I don't know for me it's like an idea you associate prison or you associate criminals mm-hmm. with people that are dangerous and these people are not dangerous they are they're being made out they're being made out to be dangerous but for non-dangerous crimes these are not rapists these are not murderers these are just people that have been caught for drug offenses that are being deemed and, to be and dangerous often, to society. Right, and often it, it's first-time drug offenses. Exactly. There are way too many cases that mm-hmm. of, of people still today that are serving life sentences in prison exactly. for a first-time offense, Right. for and carrying drugs. That's right, and this, uh, like the president who really declared this, this war on drugs was Ronald Reagan in 1982. Yeah. And this war has been waged almost exclusively in poor communities, mm-hmm. uh, poor communities of color, even though studies show that people of all colors use and sell illegal drugs yeah. at similar rates. It's not, it's not just the black population, there are 
That's white it. people that are selling drugs at the exact same rates. So this this war has little to do with drug crime, but everything to do with racial politics. Another thing that we both would love to point out to you guys, and we really hope that you guys watch, is uh, to watch a documentary called The 13th. It's on Netflix, and it basically discusses the 13th Amendment and how it transformed into the criminal justice system, how it is today, and the issues regarding race. And there's a really, really, really great eye-opening quotes. um, It was actually President Richard Nixon's White House Chief of Staff, Harry Robbins Haldeman, openly stated, open quotations, the whole problem is really the blacks. The key is to devise a system that recognizes this while not appearing to. Yeah. Close quotations. So this is obviously very, very racist. Yeah. Um, so basically what this war on drugs did is that it associated black people with cocaine more, exactly. more specifically crack cocaine. So the goal of this war on drugs is to make inner city crack abuse and violence a media sensation. Yeah. Which then fostered as much public support mm-hmm. for it. Yeah. And another really prominent figure who, who had a, uh, uh, an input in this mm-hmm. was uh, Bill Clinton yeah. and his tough on crime policies, yeah. which resulted in the largest increase in federal and state prison inmates of any president in American history. Mm-hmm. He banned drug felons. Now drug felons, any drug felon, first First, first offense, offense, anything, minor uh, offense, just yeah, anything. anything. You just ban all drug felons from public housing, no matter how, again, no matter yeah. how minor the offense, and deny them basic public benefits, including food stamps for life. Yeah. Over, again, a, a petty little offense. Mm-hmm. Therefore, discrimination was very present in every aspect of political economic and social life because it was deemed as legal if you've been labeled a felon and most black people were labeled as felons under the war on drugs exactly and you can see how this goes back to the 13th amendment and that little loophole that we discussed that it's you're literally not a like you are not allowed to be a slave like slavery was free except for criminals that's right so it's obviously clear that the whole system is just embedded in racism and, just and this segregation racism. and just discrimination. To, that's it. They're there to, I don't know, take down. Yeah. These they people. use the title of a drug war, but it really is mm-hmm. just to target these because people it, in, a, in a whole different way it. without them actually directly saying we're striking a war against black people. And, and it was because the war on drug was never really focused on like finding who who these uh, like these kingpins were or who these these uh, like who was the person at the top they didn't even care about that yeah they just wanted to, to it was just sheer numbers they wanted to take down as many people as possible and that's it yeah and it often led to and the- now looking at this we can see that it is a continuation of these Jim Crow laws exactly this is definitely a yeah. new Jim Crow era because that, that's clear. still going on today. It still that, is going on today. This is really... There's so many people that argue, and look, I'm one of them that'll prop, like, this is my bias, this is my biased opinion, but it's also, like, based on the research that we've done, is that Jim Crow laws are still present today. And yes. why do you think they're still allowing this discrimination to happen? It's because there's still laws embedded in the system that don't favor black people and that they favor white people and their privilege. And this is... 
why we're still seeing issues today. That's right. And by by rounding, I mean by imprisoning all these these black people, there has been a new racial undercast that has been created, and yeah. this creates this new Jim Jim Crow system. Because now there are millions of people of colors of color who are who have these criminal records yeah. and are legally denied the very rights that their parents and grandparents fought for. Yeah. And it's not even talking about, like, say, for example, black people in general. Just the criminal system as a whole is so corrupt and flawed. That's just, for another day. <laughs> no, but that's it. Like, just take away the, the part of uh-huh. how they're targeting specifically black people. Just the opportunities once you leave prison. That's it. Parole. All of these different things. The difficulties finding a job. Mm-hmm. Your criminal record staying with you for... 10 plus years depending on the case even for the rest of your life like these are things that don't allow any sort of rehabilitation which was the whole purpose of the criminal justice system Mm -hmm. that was the whole purpose of this like philosophically speaking jail was supposed to be a form of rehabilitation and not only punishment but it just keeps on punishing people for the rest of their lives and it's exactly what they're doing with black people now this clearly has evolved today into what these are very very recent cases we we genuinely like i'm 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 sure you guys have been seeing on social media and the news and everything we really are living through extraordinary historical times like it's crazy yeah like you we really like we honestly for me i just I'm trying my best to be on the right side of history here and kind of just... And it's really crazy how it seems as if history is repeating itself. No, it really is. But you see, like, guys, this is what we've been talking about since the beginning. If we don't, first of all, if acknowledge our mistakes and understand, understand the past them. and our mistakes. This is why we say history is so important. Because it's stuff like this. I don't know if you guys noticed, but everything on my news feed and everything is all about the history. It's all about terms and and events that happened in the past that are coming up and it's it's amazing it's fantastic i'm so glad that it's happening but it's in knowing this that we can stop this repetition of mistakes and oppression and abuse Mm -hmm. so uh we'd like to talk about three really important cases that have been in the news lately that do highlight this and it's regarding police brutality and it's something we obviously do not support under any circumstance. And look, we understand not all not all cops are bad cops. There are definitely some good ones out there. But we need to acknowledge the oppression and the violence that these bad cops are getting away with on a day-to-day basis. We're going to be talking about three cases here, but we also acknowledge and understand that there are thousands, um, maybe even millions of right. more that we don't even know of today and that people are walking free. So the first one I'd like to talk about is Trayvon Martin. So in 2012, uh, Trayvon Martin, who was a 17 year old black American boy, was killed by a police officer named George Zimmerman. Uh, Trayvon was stopped basically after a police report from uh, the neighborhood watch deeming him to be a suspicious person. So George Zimmerman, the, the police officer, um, caught him coming out of a drugstore and he was in a gated community visiting his father for the weekend so he had 
every right to be there it's not that he was suspicious in any way it was really just because the color of his skin in a predominantly white neighborhood in florida that he seemed to be suspicious so basically the police officer claimed that he stopped trayvon martin uh, after getting a call and that he shot him basically trayvon martin was shot to death by this police officer and in george zimmerman's case he pleaded a defense saying that it was in self-defense because Trayvon assaulted him. Now, we'll never really know the truth whether or not, but look, I really, really, really don't believe so because... And, and you know, there's just other ways of, of quick about well, this. Evidence number one, Trayvon Martin was a 17-year-old kid visiting his father for the weekend and was unarmed. That's another really important thing. So these three cases, I'd also like to cite. No, none of them were armed. armed. <laughs> Absolutely none of them were, and all of them died in the hands of police officers. So um, yes, Zimmerman was um, was taken to court and was charged for murder, but he pleaded self-defense under the stand your ground laws uh, in the state of Florida. And these stand your ground laws basically it's a self-defense law that permits the use of a deadly force, basically permits officers to kill if they feel like they're threatened or if they're at risk. So because of this law, George Zimmerman walks away as a free man. Terrible. Yeah. To me, it's mind-blowing how a police officer that shot a 17-year-old kid visiting his father in a very safe neighborhood, fully unarmed, no reason to suspect anything, was shot to death. The next case I'd like to discuss is Brianna Taylor. Uh, Brianna Taylor was a 26-year-old African-American EMT that was shot to death by Louisville, Kentucky police officers Jonathan Mattingly, Brett Hankinson, and Miles Cosgrove. Uh, these three officers basically stormed into their apartment, her and her boyfriend's apartment in the middle of the night, and shot her to death. Uh, for an arrest warrant that basically was not for her and unfortunately she has lost her life today and there are currently no charges pressed against these three officers so once again white officers police officers because of their badge were able to kill an african-american yet again and walk away as a free person and now the case that really sparked um, these ongoing, these movements that are happening um, in the United States, in Montreal, even in Toronto, around Canada, the world, around the world, yeah. um, is the George Floyd case. Yeah. So on May 25th, 2020, so just about 10 days ago, um, George Floyd, a 46-year-old um, black man, died in Minneapolis, Minnesota by ex-police officer Derek Chauvin. Um, so George, George Floyd was basically um, accused of allegedly uh, having a twenty uh, counterfeit $20 bill. Yeah. And for those of you who have not seen the video yet, um, it's very, it's just a very sad video. It's very um, graphic. Very on, graphic. It's um, not for the faint of hearts. No, really. he was, George Floyd was already, you know, handcuffed on the floor. He was pleading for his life. Um, and this this ex-policeman was basically just on top of him 
on his neck and not his at all. His knee to his neck. Knee to his neck, and he was just uh, suffocated to death. Suffocated to death, which is very sad. And this for a twenty dollar. Need we repeat a twenty dollar counterfeit bill that was allegedly used by him? Mm-hmm. So you can't tell me that race had nothing to do with it, right? And it's this man was so clear. pleading for his life. He was there already was no, in handcuffs. There was no resistance. There was no violence. There was no struggle among the police officers. There was no reason. There's no but in this situation. Mm-hmm. There is no reason at all for this man to have died. died exactly. For and, him and or were, anybody. No. And there were even three other police officers on the scene who are now being charged with aiding and abetting murder. Yeah. Uh, whereas Derek Chauvin is charged with second degree murder. Exactly. At first he was actually charged with manslaughter yes. and, and third degree murder. But now because of these protests and the, 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 the anger and the discontent with the public, basically the charges were reconsidered. And in my opinion, obviously very good yes. for them to to actually be condemned of the legitimate crime that he was so uh, on that note i think we should continue definitely making noise for sure because i think a lot of people in this time obviously seeing something as devastating as this i understand how we could all lose hope i, I could understand how it makes everybody sad and angry and enraged trust me we both are like seeing stuff like that for anybody regardless of race as a human being from one human being to another nobody should experience that nobody should be crying out for their mother saying i can't breathe for the last moments of their lives you know what i mean like no one no one on this planet deserves that and for him to have experienced that and for his life to have ended for no other reason but the color of his skin is an outrage and it deserves to be heard it deserves the noise that it's getting and it's an amazing thing that's been happening the results of all of this i understand it's a terrible terrible thing that happened but the black lives movement and so many other movements now are getting so much attention and well deserved and need i say long overdue attention yes long very much long overdue we could, we displayed it in this episode. It's been right. going on for, for centuries. For a long time. Yeah. And you know what? It really... It sucks to say that I understand it's not going to end overnight. This has been embedded in our society. It's been embedded in American laws. It's not, not something to change overnight, but it's also not something to give up on either. And I think we've seen the evolution of it. Yes, it's not what we'd like. Obviously, there are still setbacks these cases included but i think it's during these times we don't give up hope and we continue fighting because it's the second that we fight that there are changes yeah and it's really important to stand together because that is really the only way true change will happen. exactly and so um i don't know whether or not people are aware of this but there have been a numbers of overwhelming protests and extraordinary numbers showing up and supporting this cause which we love which we love to see which like we said is a silver lining in all of this and so we just encourage everybody to continue to do so we understand it's difficult times with the pandemic going on and everything that people are scared but 
even if you don't necessarily want to protest, if you don't want to go to these protests or anything like that, just continue the conversation. Please continue the conversation. Just even with your friends, with coworkers, with family, family members, because it's in silence that stuff like this happens. It's when we don't speak and when we're not heard that history unfortunately repeats mm-hmm. itself. And it's it's very important to be kind to one another because hate is definitely something that is taught. Exactly. And let people speak, let people use their voices, especially friends and family members that are African American that have dealt with this and that have their own experiences and would love to be heard because now is the time for them to be heard and now is the time for us for people like us me and you that we're what that we're white that we come from a point of privilege we do we have to admit that and it's for us to listen it's not just for them to speak it's for us to listen as well one more thing i'd love to add uh for all of our montreal listeners i know most of you are Um, there is going to be a protest today in Montreal. Uh, it's going to be this morning from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. It's at Parc Emilie Gamelin. It's right outside of the Barrier Cam metro station. You cannot miss it. It's literally right there. And we would just love for if you guys are able to, if you guys feel comfortable to come and support the cause and please do so peacefully. Um, we understand that there's stuff in the news going on about the looting and everything and that's another thing we would love we really 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 need to emphasize in this episode is that these protests are not violent at all it's the looters are separate people who are putting a once again putting a bad name to these protesters and a lot of these protesters yes are african-american are are of color and it's just upsetting to see that They're, they're not letting... They're, well, they're just basically giving these protesters a bad name, even though it's not really what's happening. They're taking advantage of the situation. Exactly. And so we also need to understand that we can't associate these protests with the looting. Mm-hmm. We can't associate them with violence. Because like we, like we just finished proving, it's history repeating itself. We cannot associate black people with violence when it's not the case. You know what I mean? Like, we really have to stop... We have to end this cycle and it's by talking about it and it's by acknowledging what's actually going on and listening to both sides just of the story. By Do not informed. believe. Exactly. Once again, we would just love to see your support, whether or not you can come tomorrow morning or even protest in your own state, wherever you're from. Just keep the conversation alive. That's all we're asking of everybody and we really hope that this continues because great things have been happening the charges of those three uh that were involved in the george floyd case probably would never even have been acknowledged if it wasn't for our protesting and so we need to acknowledge that it's also it's very 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 beneficial and it's actually creating change no like i said no matter how devastating and hopeless we can feel right now We have to remain, we have to hold on to that last bit of hope because it really is making a difference and it's baby steps. Baby steps for sure. And um, like we said, keep the conversation going, be kind to one another and and we will eventually get there, hopefully. Hopefully. And like we said, just never stop fighting because the bad guys will keep on fighting, but so will we. So 
thank you for listening and I hope um, you guys learned something yeah. <laughs> um, useful from this podcast yeah. today. and like always if you guys would like any elaborations on anything or like any questions answered you could always DM us always message us and we'll be happy to answer thank you bye guys